Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. This is Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Poulos. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. folks and welcome back to the unbridled enthusiasm podcast i'm mark poulos and this is the ride home so i just wrapped up uh, a bunch of shows at the looney bin in little rock arkansas and uh, i finally get to go home after being on the road for 10 days it's pretty brutal man i don't like being away from home that long especially with uh you know, my daughter and my wife, six months pregnant, it gets kind of terrifying. Like, if something bad happens, I'm kind of away from home. So, a lot of fun stories from this week, a lot of interesting things going on. So, the kind of the major thread that's run through this 10 days of me being on the road is um, the Thursday that I was driving to Wichita last week. I, uh, I was listening to a radio show and they were talking about this documentary called Fed Up and it's about our addiction as a society to sugar and like what sugar does to your body and, and how you're, you know, so addicted to it and, and uh, you should really every once in a while do uh, a sugar cleanse so I, I checked it out, I looked it up on the internet, and there's a bunch of different ones. There's there's either, uh, I, there's probably more, but the ones that I saw that there was like a 9-day sugar cleanse, and there was a 21-day sugar cleanse, and there was no way in hell that I was going to make it 21 days without sugar, but I thought, I'm going to be on the road for 10 days, why not give the 9-day sugar cleanse a chance? So the basic idea of it is you just, mostly you don't want to have refined sugar. And that's like, um, you know, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, um, granulated sugar, like any of that stuff that's in like candy and soda and all that kind of stuff. And surprising, it's surprising how much sugar is in just everyday stuff you know especially the condiments that we use like the barbecue sauces and the ketchups and the mustards how much sugar is in that um so basically the way the cleanse works is at the beginning you want to get off kind of kind of like the first offenders as fast as you can like the sodas the candies the cookies the pastries all that kind of stuff so you get rid of all that, and then the next tier after that is you want to get rid of um, uh, carbohydrates because a lot of the carbohydrates, the simple carbohydrates, break down into sugars in your body. So you want to get off of you know the tortillas and the bread and and all that kind of stuff. 
So once you get through that, towards the end of the nine days, then they want you to get off of uh, dairy, because dairy has natural sugars in it, but they want you to get off of that. And then they want you to um, basically not eat anything sugar-wise the last couple days, as far as like fruits, Uh, Certain vegetables have high sugar content, like tomatoes and carrots. Um, So basically, by the end of the diet, or the cleanse or whatever, you're literally just eating um, lean proteins, uh, like nuts, and certain vegetables. Like, that's all you're eating. And, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it is fucking brutal. <clears throat> I mean, I, I had to have my little tricks to kind of get myself through, like, some of the tricks I had were, uh, obviously eating a shit ton of protein. Like, uh, ground turkey was my, my method when I was on it last week, and, uh, And then gum was kind of the way that I was able to push through just having that just tiny little taste of uh, something sweet that would kind of just get me through or whatever. And it's, you know, it's an interesting roller coaster that you go through on these nine days because for me, like it's different for everybody else because I listened to Kevin Smith talk about doing the cleanse and uh, some of the guys on the radio that did it and stuff, and everybody reacts differently to it, but there seems to be a pretty um, standard progression as you do it. Like, day three is when the headaches start. And I've had... I've gone through different diets over my lifetime since I got out of college, and I I feel like the first time that I ever started working out and dieting was like the worst because at that point I had never dieted and I had never worked out ever in my entire life. So my diet consisted of a lot of cookies, a lot of chips, a a shit ton of soda and Gatorade. I was just like inundated with salts and sugars and fat and everything like that. So I basically went from that kind of a diet to just eating lean proteins and vegetables and like protein powders and supplements and stuff and I had like a major withdrawals on that diet and it seems like every time I go through a diet cycle where I kind of give up all the the shitty stuff for me I'll have a small amount of withdrawal but I wasn't really ready for this because I don't think I've ever done a diet where I've completely, like, 100% given up sugar for, like, a stretch of time. So that day three, I woke up, I think it was, like, and I I usually don't have that much problem sleeping. But they say, like, some of the side effects that are going to come along with the sugar cleanse is um, a little bit of insomnia because your body's adjusting to not having the sugar. Um some of your, like, bathroom habits might be changing, you know, because your body's just trying to expel all this toxins out of the body and everything, 
And uh, so day three, I woke up at about 3.30 in the morning, and and I had, like, this weird headache, a headache I'd never had before. And it was, it's hard to describe, but it felt like my whole head was, like, uh, it was, it was like it was, it was throbbing, but it was, like, a phantom throb, like, I didn't actually feel my head or my brain or anything, like, throbbing, it was just, like, there was a force field around my head, and it was, like, contracting and expanding, and the weird part about it was, when I would get up and, like, go outside and just kind of walk around and, and take my mind off of it, it wasn't as bad, um, I took some Advil that day, but it, those headaches lasted for a good full day, and then, uh, and I don't know if it was day four or five, but day four or five was when the bathroom stuff started happening, and my God, I, uh, you know, I don't know if it was a combination of the amount of fruits and vegetables that I was eating, or the, uh, the nuts, I was eating nuts and fruit and vegetables, um, and one of the big things for me that got me through was hummus, because I didn't realize how healthy hummus is, you know, there's not a lot of sodium in it, um, there's no sugar in hummus, it's high in protein, and, uh, it's just basically ground up chickpeas with different flavors and stuff. So I don't know what it was, like the combination of the fruits and vegetables and the hummus and the nuts or whatever, but like day four or five, I, I really did not leave the condo at all. I was just on the toilet the entire day. But once I got to day six, like day six was, was kind of a good day. Like I felt like I'd come through everything and I felt really good about you know, I just felt healthy. Like, I felt really good. I had a lot of energy. I feel like I got a good night's sleep. And and, and I was kind of proud of myself that I'd made it that far. And then uh, day seven, eight, nine was when it started that I had to give up the dairy, uh, the fruits, and pretty much anything else that had sugar in it for the, the kind of the last stretch of the thing. And that was tough, you know, because you kind of start to get dependent, you're like, you know, I can't have candies or sweets, but, you know, I'll have a bunch of apples, and that'll kind of curb my, my craving for the sugar, well, now it's like, you really don't have any kind of sweet, uh, going into your body, so it's just like, for me, it was like cucumber slices and celery sticks, and, uh, hummus, and just, you know, ground turkey and lean protein, it was just, it kind of got mundane after a while, you know, it's like certain people on diets, I'm sure the hardest part for them is, is, uh, the variety and, and trying to keep yourself spiced up, and one of the big things that I read about dieting was the whole cheat day thing because it's it's kind of like a two-prong effect when you have a cheat day. On the one side, when you have a cheat day, because what happens when you start dieting is your, your body goes into starvation mode 
where you'll get to a tipping point where you're losing weight and you're burning calories, but then, you know, if your calorie deficit is too much on a day, like let's say you're supposed to have 1,500 calories, but you go to the gym and you work out and you, you burn off like 700 calories and then you eat the 1,500 calories, well, now you've really only had, you know, 800 calories so your your body is kind of going into starvation mode and it starts like protecting itself and storing instead of burning so it's like you need that one day a week where you just kind of blast your body with calories and uh it's a two-prong effect like it it restarts your metabolism and it kind of breaks the mental monotony of doing the diet but uh so when I got to day nine, like, it was probably, like, seven o'clock at night, and I really didn't think I was going to make it to the next day. Like, I just wanted to eat normal food again and everything, but uh, thank God for uh, for hard-boiled eggs and uh, ground turkey and hummus because it kind of got me through to the next day. And, and it was funny because... So on day 10, when I was finished and I was calling day 10 my cheat day and I was going to have a bunch of different, uh, you know, just blast myself with calories, I was still going to go to the gym and work out just to balance it out. So I had um, a coffee with with sugar creamer in it finally. And that was probably the most (laughs) surprising to me because I thought the thing that I would miss the most was like the sugary snacks because I'm like a big sugary snack hound, like Twizzlers and Skittles. I've talked on the podcast about how I'd make a big bag of Master Mix, which was like Wildberry Skittles and, and you know, very cherry uh, mini Starbursts and shit, and just like mow on that while I'm driving in the car. But it, it was surprising that the thing that I missed the most in those nine days uh, was having my morning coffee with with a high sugar creamer in it, like, you know, the, um, the hazelnut or, or the, the butter pecan cream creamer in my coffee, like, that's what I miss the most, so, um, I still wanted to have my coffee in the morning on those nine days, so it was just, like, the first couple days it was fine, because I just put milk in it, and then some cinnamon and, like, nutmeg and stuff, and it wasn't that bad, it was, like, those last three days where I couldn't have dairy trying to figure out how to make my coffee taste tolerable I swear to god I was putting uh coconut oil and unsweetened cocoa and and uh natural peanut butter in my coffee and just nothing was working I I think by day eight I was just like I'm not even gonna have coffee in the morning because it's just stupid and tastes disgusting and I'll just save it for Sunday or Saturday but uh yeah I mean I uh, you know I don't want to beat a dead horse or whatever but uh it was good I I'm glad that I did it I felt like I actually accomplished something and and truthfully I do feel I feel different like after the nine day cleanse like um I'm about two hours into the drive home and um I had a a coffee this morning that had some sugar creamer in it, um, but not a lot of sugar creamer, and, uh, and I'm fine, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, craving a stop to get a bunch of donuts, and, uh, I actually feel full 
Um, I had a you know breakfast sandwich this morning, and and I feel full, and and that's I think the biggest thing about the whole cleanse, and um, I guess I was kind of doing like a combo thing of like a cleanse and a diet and working out, which I I, I think that's kind of how you have to do it just to keep your mind off of it and and your body you know firing on all cylinders. You got to work out during it too. Is uh, how, how much my hunger went away, you know, like, before I started this, I think, you know, listening to the story about uh, the documentary Fed Up and, and what sugar does to your body and stuff was kind of like the catalyst for it, but I was kind of concerned about myself even before I listened to that interview because, um, I was having those crashes at like three o'clock in the afternoon where I'd be playing with my daughter and I'd just get exhausted like I wanted to go to bed and it's like really irritable during the day when I, um, like my sugar levels were low and, um, just constantly hungry, like nothing was filling me up. I would just like be eating all the time and and that was like the biggest surprise about this, this cleanse is like a lot of the times, you know, I just, I wasn't hungry, you know, I was actually comfortably full. So maybe it's a change. We'll see how it goes. You know, my dark master, the donut is always over there waving to me to come on over and take a couple bites out of him. So, uh, it was a fun week. I worked with, uh, Jimmy Merritt. He's a comic from uh, Washington, D.C., um, he was, uh, friends with a couple of my friends, Rory Scovel and, uh, John Conroy. So it kind of an instant, uh, you know, friendship vibe, you know, when you know the same people and he was a really cool dude. I, uh, I liked his comedy. We actually, uh, I taped a full length podcast that's going to be out this Wednesday, um, where we talk about, uh, kind of geeky stuff, he's kind of one of those guys that likes, you know, comic books and, uh, and video games, and, uh, I'd never actually met or talked with somebody that was still a huge fan of Dungeons and Dragons, like, I, I have never in my life played it once, and, uh, I think it was Wednesday, there was a bunch of guys at the show that played Dungeons and Dragons on Saturdays, and they invited him to go, so he went on Saturday and played Dungeons and Dragons with these people, which just cracked the hell out of me. Listening to the stories when he came back on Saturday was pretty funny, but so he's going to be on the podcast Wednesday, so make sure you tune into that episode. Um, it's really good. We talk about a bunch of stuff, and then he takes on the the dreaded five horrible questions. Um, but yeah, we also had, we had an MC, um, and I don't know, man, I just, me and Jimmy talked about it for a long time, about the state of an MC nowadays, because we both came up in a very different time, because he's been doing comedy for 11 years, I've been doing comedy for 15 So back when we started, like, there was just, like, a different vibe when it came to being an MC. Like, a lot of different guys in the business that were, you know, giving you advice and kind of helping you understand, 
the prestigious spot of the MC in a show because you know the MC in a show is a very important part of the comedy show and there's certain things that you want to adhere to as a as an MC as far as like the the flow of the show and the like the respect of the show and kind of understanding your role in the show because it's like I think we've lost that a little bit in comedy you know back in the day when I started like people understood their roles in the show like there's an MC a feature and a headliner and everybody kind of just understood their roles like the MC understood that like that's kind of the starter spot you know that's where you get your start as the MC so it's it's more important to be a welcoming figure to the audience making them feel comfortable making them feel welcome introducing your other colleagues that are on the show and and kind of running it like a well-oiled machine it's not so much as important for you to show how funny you are like that's a part of it when you're an MC is to be funny and warm up the crowd for the feature act but that's not the only thing and that's the problem I see nowadays with MCs is they've kind of kind of forgot the whole second part of being an MC like they're just kind of focusing in on the whole being funny thing well, they'll just walk on stage and instead of like establishing themselves or establishing the crowd, <clears throat> they just go straight into material. Like they just walk on stage and they're like, I'm at the grocery the other day. And that's just, that's not how an MC is supposed to work. An MC is supposed to take the stage and, you know, welcome the crowd let them know what they're in for tonight, you know, make them feel relaxed and make them feel comfortable. And then once all that's taken care of, then you can do a little material to kind of get them warmed up and then bring them on stage, you know. And it's just like, I think we've lost that whole camaraderie of the show nowadays where it used to be like three people that were at a comedy show they understood their roles and they all worked together to make it a wonderful evening of comedy at a comedy club now it's like fucking three strangers are shoved together in a house it's like real world comedy club every week and they're all fighting to to be relevant and to shine on the show you know it's like MCs are being filthier than hell and they're crowd rapping and they're just like setting a horrible tone for the show and then the feature acts are they're going way over their time they're crowd rapping, they're vulgar they're aggressive, they're just like no thought process as to who the headliner is and what his style is after you, because that was like a big thing for me when I was a feature, I would always be aware of who was coming after me. Like, what was his style? What was his uh, his vibe on stage? Was he a comic that liked to talk to the crowd so I wouldn't talk to the crowd? Was he a comic that was kind of more reserved so I'd make sure that I wasn't too high energy? Like, I'd be aware of all that stuff, and I would always get off on my time. I would never go a minute over my time, because I just feel like that's such a disrespect to the comedy show. 
to, to do any more time than you're given. Like, at some point in your career, if you work hard enough, you'll be the headliner, and then you get to call the shots. But while you're a feature act, like, you just have to do what you do and get do the time that you're given, you know, the end. Like, why, why even, you know, fight with that stuff? It's just ridiculous, man. But anyways... I digress, as they say, <laughs> because I, uh, I don't know, man, I just wish, I wish that, uh, the new MCs and everybody would just kind of get it, you know, and, and go back to the old style, but it's just such a nerve-wracking thing every time I come into a comedy club now, because, not only do I have to meet the feature act and kind of get a vibe of where he's at, um, if his act is similar to mine or if it's, uh, different from mine or if it's, uh, you know, what he's going to be doing, what I'm going to be doing. And then I got to worry about the MC, like, you know, what his, what's his vibe? What kind of tone is he going to set at the front of the show? And it's, it's hard because I made a decision a long time ago that I was never going to tell anybody what they could or couldn't do on the, on the, the stage. I wasn't going to tell people they couldn't sell. I wasn't going to say, hey, don't do that joke. That's, that's a bad joke. But it's getting tough, man. Sometimes I'm just like, like the MC that we had this week, there was two jokes that he did off the top of the show every day every night that I had a real problem with, you know, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. So the joke was about retarded people and I don't want to be a hypocrite. I mean, I have written tons of jokes about, uh, mentally challenged kids. I mean, one of my biggest jokes when I first started in comedy was called the parking lot retard. And a lot of people remember it, and a lot of people enjoyed that joke, and it's one that a lot of people remember. But I've kind of moved on from that, but I don't know. I just kind of was a bad tone, because the joke that I wrote was a lot of... And, and I'm not trying to justify it. Like, the joke I wrote was bad. It had the word retard in it, and we shouldn't be using that word. <clears throat> and I don't do the joke anymore out of respect for that. Um, but I never did the joke as an MC because I knew that it would set a horrible tone for the, for the show. And it was just so odd to watch him do that joke right off the top of the show because people were so uncomfortable. I mean, they just sat down and ordered their drinks and this guy's making fun of retarded people. And it's just like, wow, this is just, this is just a little too much, you know, I don't even get it. You know, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's his bit, it's his jokes, and, and like I said, I'm not ever going to tell anybody what they can and can't do, you know? Oh, man. But it's like you do comedy for, for enough time, you're just like... I understand... Let's say that. I understand where certain headliners are coming from. 
where they uh, they make stipulations in their contracts that nobody in front of them can be too vulgar or too edgy. But I mean, in the in the long run, like his act really had no effect on my show at the end. I just felt kind of bad for Jimmy, who would have to go up after him. But Jimmy handled it like a pro, and uh, and it didn't seem to phase him that much. But uh, I mean, the MC was a really nice guy. It was just like. And me and Jimmy were talking about it. We're like, you could just tell that that he kind of lost that sense of being the master of ceremonies a long time ago. Like, he just had this vibe like every other MC I run into on the road that they're just going to get theirs while they're on stage. Like, they're not going to pander. They're not going to prep the audience. They're not going to do all the things that a standard MC should be doing. They're just gonna, they're gonna do their material, they're gonna get their laughs, they're gonna try to outshine the rest of the people on the show. And then, because uh, that was another big problem I had with the MC this week was, you know, he was very funny and a very nice guy, but he kind of lost sight of his job to the point that every show, like, there was a mistake introing one of us. Like, he would, he would mess up a credit, or he wouldn't say our names right. He completely forgot Jimmy's name on one show. He called him, like, uh, like, Mackie Johnson or something. So it's, like, that kind of stuff. Like, if, if you haven't memorized the intros and the la- the the names of the other people on the show by like the fourth or fifth show of the week like you need to take a second and focus and stop worrying so much about being hilarious and and spend a little bit more time on being the master of ceremonies like the most important job for you is to like keep the show running at a smooth pace you know it just looks so unprofessional when you're about to introduce the next comic and you can't remember their name or their intro it's like do some prep time like what the fuck but uh it's always nice to go back to little rock all the people there are really cool steve the uh the manager there is is a really great guy and uh he looks like uh, Shawn Michaels, so that's always kind of funny. I posted a bunch of pictures on my Facebook of him super kicking me and then DXing me on the ground. So go to my Facebook and check that out. Um, but yeah. So this week, uh, I'm going to be heading to a new club that I've never been to before. It's called uh, The Hangar in uh, Decatur, Illinois. Um, I hear it's amazing, and the people there are really cool, uh, so I'm excited to go there and check it out, but I got, uh, a ton of stuff coming up in the next couple months, I just updated my website with all my new tour dates, um, this Wednesday I'm gonna be at the House of Comedy at the Mall of America, so if you're in Minneapolis and you listen to my podcast, 
And you want to see me do some stand-up, get out to the House of Comedy on Wednesday at 7.30. Um, what else? Uh, I got a couple big shows that are coming up. I'm going to be in uh, Oklahoma City the last week of September. I'm going to be in... Uh, get to go back to Erie, Pennsylvania uh, the week before that. Um, and I get to open for Greg Morton, which I'm really excited for. He's one of the guys that influenced me. <clears throat> he does this great Star Wars bit with all the uh, impressions of the characters. Check it out on YouTube. It's hilarious. But, uh, yeah. So, I think that's about all I got. I want to get this podcast. It's on iTunes and Stitcher and tuned in and... Um, check out largedrunkman.com for, like I said, all my updated uh, shows and, uh, and merchandise and whatnot. And uh, tune in next time when we talk about who knows.